This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is the very first instalment of our 88 Films Slasher Classic Series of Reviews. I'm your host Duncan McLeish, welcome to the show. So yeah, this is the very first one, this is disc number one of the Slasher Classics. Now if you're joining us for the first time here on Podcast Under the Stairs, what you will not know is, out with the standard episodes that we do and some of the quirky side kind of events, side casts so to speak, that we also run uh, alongside the, the main content on the podcast Under the Stairs. We started early last year, early 2018, we started doing the Italian collection by 88 Films. Now I've been buying them pretty much since they came out, every single release and most of them lay in shrink wrap um, and I just didn't have enough time to watch them. Plus part of me was like yeah, I'm buying them because they're numbered and I like my collection to be complete, but I'm ever actually really going to watch this movie. So to kind of force my hand on it um, and not be divorced, uh, what I decided to do was kind of set out something I knew I could manage, which was watch one every two weeks and do a review on podcasts under the stairs. And that has run right through the year. We've done really well. We've taken the first 23 or 24, I think, are down at this point. And um, yeah... I kind of like to set myself challenges and then the next challenge was well I have an incomplete slasher collection series because I kind of started doing the same back then whereas buying ad hoc from their titles of release where I was like oh I used to really like that movie I want to go and see it again but they've laid shrink wrap as well so I've decided that on the alternating Sunday from the Italian classic uh, series what we would do or the Italian collection series sorry what we would do is we would look at the slasher classic series so every Sunday from now on in 2019, you will get one week a Slasher Classics review and then the following week an Italian collection review and we're going to continue that on um, until basically we've exhausted all possibilities for future titles etc etc. Now they're constantly adding to them, 88 Films are a busy little company that way um, and whilst they, in my opinion, struggle with things like special features and quite often um, struggle with the print. <laughs> I think is the kind way to say this. Uh, not always the most immaculate print that you get from any eight films. The fact that what they've done is they've brought films which either never got a DVD release or a very limited VHS release to a Blu-ray market for collectors to have, I think is better than nothing. I'd much rather have the movie than not have the movie, even if the print itself could have been done better by a different company. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I have it in my hands. So, yeah, we're going to do that right through, they're constantly adding to it, which means that this series will run easily through 2019 and possibly 2020, so yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. So yeah, it's a big time, we're kicking off a lot of new content in 2019, I've got a lot of really cool ideas that I want to start bringing in, more regular segments, you're going to get an Andy Loves Art House every single month, ladies and gents, we're going to try and tick off 
three to four massive uh, franchise works every single year as part of the Russian Roulette franchise retrospective. Um, and I've got a, a kind of debate series in mind uh, for getting other podcasters on and to challenge them to debate each other on, on movies that are generally polarising to the horror community, or at least a stance which is um, uh, polarising or extreme on certain movies to see if we can find any sort of common ground or if I can be convinced of an argument. So that is also in the pipeline, so tons and tons of stuff coming up. Um, we are almost through January, we're just past the halfway mark. And yeah, it's been great being back. We've not put out a ton of shows thus far, but we're catching up with immense pace. Um, so thank you very much for all the love and support over there. As we're saying that the second Basilween t-shirt campaign didn't meet its total, uh, for whatever reason, um, less people decided to pledge support than had said they would before I launched it. So we're probably just going to discontinue that design. Um, maybe bring it back somewhere down the line, but it's, it's certainly for the time being discontinued. What I'm looking at is February doing the 30 Shades of Baz as a poster, so keep your eyes peeled. There'll be more details about that coming up real soon. So let's do this shit. I'm excited about this one. Slashers in general, I have a bit of love for, but not a well, not a massive amount. And there are so many gaps in my knowledge here. So I kind of think that the eight films slasher classic collection is going to tick off a lot of what I have not seen, just broaden my knowledge out and hopefully if you're joining the journey through with me, you're in a similar position or at least recapturing some of those feelings you had in your youth watching slasher movies. So we're going to do that with the very first movie, which is Graduation Day, a movie I had never seen before yesterday when I sat down and watched it. So, we're going to take a break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Graduation Day. That's number one in the 88 Films Slasher Classic series. When I come back, I'm discussing that movie right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. There are 200 seniors at Midvale High, and seven days till graduation. The class of 81 is going out in style and they're having the time of their life. It's been a great year for Midvale High. The track team finished first in the state. Then again, Midvale always produces winners. Sally Prescott is the top gymnast in the school. She plans to go to college in the fall. Castoff won five cross-country events in the past year. She jogs to school every morning. Yeah, 
Ralph Johnson is the football team's star halfback. Pete McFarlane set the state record in the pole vault. Tony and Dolores were king and queen of the prom. The class of 81's being fitted for caps and gowns and coffins. There's 200 seniors at Midvale High and seven days till graduation. Too bad there'll be no one to celebrate with. Graduation Day. And welcome back. So here we go. Disc number one in the Slasher Classics collection by 88 Films is Graduation Day from 1981. The blurb on the 88 Films website says, Graduation Day. It's just weeks before high school graduation and members of the track team are being mysteriously and gruesomely murdered one at a time. When the team's star runner drops dead at the end of a championship meet, her sister, Anne, played by Patch McKenzie, comes to town and a series of grisly murders begin. Is Anne responsible, or is it Coach Michaels, played by Christopher George, who has been fired because of Laura's death? Perhaps it's the campus policeman who is disliked because of his overzealous drug investigations. Or is it Laura's boyfriend, Kevin, played by E. Danny Murphy, who can't reconcile himself to Laura's death? You won't want to see Graduation Day alone. Um, the special features in this one, well, because it was their first one, they, they launch at it pretty hard. There is a plethora of uh, special features here. Um, actually, the, the first one I'm going to talk about is kind of amazing. Uh, Screen Queens Horror Heroines Exposed. It's a feature-length documentary hosted by the legendary Debbie Rashon from Terra Firma, Tromeo and Juliet, etc., etc. Highlighting an all-female cast of interviews, including Michelle Bauer from Hollywood, Chainsaw Hookers, Sybil Danning from Halloween 2, Daniel Harris from the Halloween series, Adrian King, um, from Friday the 13th uh, Melanie Kinneman from Friday the 13th Part 5 Jennifer Lim from Hostel Lynn Lowry from Shivers Katrona McCall from The Beyond Cassandra Pearson from Elvira Linnea Quigley from Graduation Day itself uh, Brink Stevens from Slumber Party Massacre Patricia Tallman from Night of the Living Dead and Lisa Wilcox from A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5 and many more So it's actually a great little doc by the way I, I was I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I watched it actually ahead of watching Graduation Day. Um, I do that sometimes with quite a lot of the special features and Blu-rays. If I know that it's not going to go into immense spoiler detail on a movie I've never seen, I'll swing on the special features first and build myself into the mindset of what the director was trying to do, um, what the actors have said in their... their interviews or maybe if there's an interview with the composer what he was aiming for before I sit down and watch the movie to see if that colours my perception of the viewing. It also features Graduation 
Memoirs, an exclusive interview with author and critic Justin Kerswell, intro by Lloyd Kaufman, creator of The Toxic Avenger, interview with Scream Queen Linnea Quigley, a traumatic filmmaking classroom, The Arm Rip, uh, the Cannibal Lesbian Hoedown Music Video directed by Loud Kaufman it is as silly as you think um, Theatrical Trailer 88 Films Real Trailer and Reversible Sleeve and Logos In terms of the technical specs this was a all region region free uh, release out there so if you're in the States and you're like I want to join this series along with Duncan you can with this one and the picture format was HD 1080p um, the audio format is DTS HD ME Mono 2.0 it's obviously an English language, no subtitles in this version, that did get my back up just a little bit. If you're living a busy house that I do, which can be noisy, sometimes you like those subtitles on just to make sure you're hearing what characters are saying. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get into this one, right? So, I'd never seen Graduation Day before, ever. I am vaguely familiar with the title. I say vaguely familiar as in... Um, I'm sure as part of research a while ago, and we're talking years ago now, I tried to find as many movies set on school campuses that involve killers. And whilst you'll be thinking to yourself, Duncan, that sounds like a very niche market. It really isn't if you grew up in the early 80s or if you grew up in kind of the late 2000s, uh, sorry, early 2000s or late 90s when we went back to school pretty much every horror film. So there's tons of them out there. Uh, and Graduation Day came up, and I remember hearing it and going like that, oh, this sounds like another one of those Halloween, Friday the 13th, April Fool's Day sort of movies, where we pick a day that we can launch in the title and then set a horror movie around it. And certainly, in terms of this one, that's exactly what this movie is. I was excited when I read the, the blurb and I heard that Christopher... George was in this movie, those out there know that I am kinda uh, uh, kinda in love with Christopher George, I think he's, it's the voice, isn't it? I don't talk like this, you know, I smoke about a million cigars a day and this is, gives me this gravelly voice which sounds, and that's kinda how he sounds in every movie, uh, and, and I kinda love it. And weirdly enough, I will put this out right at the beginning here, um, like, Awesome Double Bill, which I will check out somewhere down the line, is putting Graduation Day and PCs on on the same night. And not only because they, you know, have Christopher George in both movies, but specifically because they're very, very similar. Maybe not in terms of tone, but they're very, very similar in a lot of respects. Um, even the way certain things are, are, are set up are very, very similar. There's no argument that Graduation Day is the better movie, uh, but when it comes to entertainment, Pieces is the better movie, and I think somewhere between the two of them playing back-to-back, -back, you're in for a whole hell of a lot of a good time. So there we go, that's worth saying that up front as well. So the plot is pretty much as it was described there in the blurb. Um, we have this girl who is the who's running at one of these track meets. Her coach, played by Christopher George, is really pushing her, really, really pushing her. And she's running, and the coach is shouting at her, and everyone's screaming at her to go harder, harder, harder. And she achieves her her sprint time at 30 seconds, but as a result of that, she drops dead of exhaustion or a heart attack. And then we jump to post this. So um, her sister, uh, played by uh, Patch McKenzie, her sister Anne, returns from... I want to say she's in the Navy. Uh, I'm not au fait with American military outfits, but it looks like she's a, a naval officer of some description. And she comes back, and she comes back to, one, the house that she grew up in, where her dad was abusive slash rapey. I, I'm not entirely sure if he's a paedophile or not, but it kind of insinuates that it's not a happy household to begin with, and the mother kind of tolerates it. 
And that's something that lies right in the back burner for this movie. It's a weird little undertone which is kind of visited at the start, maybe a tiny little bit in the middle, but not really until the end. Um, and she starts doing a bit of investigation herself. Uh, Coach Michaels has fallen on hard times. A lot of people blame him for the death of the track runner pushing her too far. So he's now kind of been um, sidelined, so to speak, but is still kind of obsessed with the track team keeps an eye on them kind of closely. Um, we meet the the boyfriend, Kevin, played by E. Danny Murphy, who is weird from the outset. So we are going to do spoilers here, so um, this movie is very old, so please be warned. Uh, it'll be 40 years old as of, what, two years from now? So I think I'm allowed to talk about it uh, in some description with spoilers included. Um, from the moment I saw... Uh, Kevin as a character I thought you're the killer because um, he just has that look about him um, I was like yeah you're the killer plus I've seen plenty of slasher movies and it turns out I was right I was right about that uh, he is he's very wounded about the the, the death of of his, his girlfriend um, who we find out more about was, was kind of destined to marry him after graduation day uh, so you have all this going along. Track team members start being killed off in suitably grisly 80s, well, early 80s fashion at a pace in this movie. Um, and I think that's really all I can say. I, we're going to talk about the very end because I kind of loved the, the final kind of one last scare in this movie. I thought it was done really, really, really well and we will come back to it at the end. But what I will say is I thoroughly enjoyed Graduation Day. It's not... Any stretch of the imagination in an original movie, a lot of the set pieces, the way that Anne comes into town with maybe one of the most, how can I put this, a weirdly dressed, sexually aggressive trucker men I've ever seen, a very flamboyant kind of lilac tank top with a bright purple neckerchief uh, trying to fondle a naval officer who like grabs that neckerchief, tries to strangle him out and grabs a handful of balls and squeezes them um, and he's not into that at all. Uh, so she, like, she's like a badass of her character. She's obviously been trained by the government, she's a military officer and she's coming home. So she ain't gonna take no shit. So she's doing the investigation along with a fairly ambivalent sort of uh, detective who really is not interested in the case at all, he just wants to do anything other than be where he is um, and all the track teams start getting picked off one by one, I'll say that the the effects for what you see of the deaths are kind of cool in here at times grossly over amplified, there is a scene where one character has their head chopped off and then it's put in the trees and some mere 30 seconds later when we see that head in the trees it's completely drained of blood and a, a, a decomposition level of colouring in the face which doesn't happen um, but is obviously put in there for effect. This movie's greatest crime, greatest crime is like a lot of 80s slashers and I don't understand what it is we have a musical number in the middle where a band plays a song uh, instead of just getting a little bit of it, the song plays for its full entirety and it's about six minutes long and it's a highly repetitive, extremely annoying song played by a band that are playing kind of 70s rock but look like a new age sort of, you know, 80s 
pop band. I, I don't get the, the marry between the, the, the image and the sound, but the song goes on and on and on and on forever, and it is, it is to the point where it becomes kind of nauseating on the screen. Um, I, I didn't like that. It, it kind of knocks the movie down for me. Uh, it overstays its welcome. These sort of things I don't mind for the most part, but not a whole fucking thing. Right in the middle of it. Oh, no. Not having it. Not having it. Not having it. Um, but out with that, I mean, there is a lot to love about this movie. The kills are fresh and original to an extent. Yes, the movie ebbs things like Friday the 13th and Halloween from the time for sure, but most slashers did, in fairness, um, and it doesn't do it in a way where it feels obnoxious as a, as a kind of plagiarised act. If anything, it feels like Right, well, this is how people are introducing a slasher film, so we have to do our version of it. And this is how teenagers die. Um, you get quite a few shots of the killer in this one, wearing a, a fencing mask, um, which I think is kind of cool. I think the fact we see him running after someone, uh, holding this giant sword, I think works in the movie. I think it gives you a real sense. So he's not like a Michael Myers constantly in the background, and you only see him in the shadows every now and again. He's, he's aggressively run about the place. Think kind of Friday the 13th Part 2, uh, where we're actually seeing movement from our killer, so I think that's kind of cool as well. Uh, I like that a lot. And yeah, overall, as a slasher movie, I think it's like hugely entertaining. It delivers what you want. Um, interestingly enough, this movie kind of ramps back on the nudity aspect which I found kind of amusing because at this time it was like that's how you sold these movies. Certainly as we move into later aspects of the 80s um, covering these movies, you will see that. You will see more um, more female nudity specifically in these movies, but at 81 we're obviously still kind of holding back on that yet. We're not you know, kind of full throng into the titillation aspect. But yeah, there's... there's the kind of twist ending to this movie which kind of made me smile is that the killer sets up uh, Christopher George, kinda, and it looks like he's gonna get away with it. And then Anne does a bit of investigation and finds out that he has dug up her sister in a kind of psycho esque reveal she's found in this chair, staring at a window, or maybe not even psycho, maybe let's go more slasher based and think Black Christmas, uh, staring out the window, kind of zombified. So, um, you know, she, she obviously takes down the killer, she like beats him up and stuff, kills him ultimately. And when she's in bed sleeping, um, she has this vision of him still alive coming through the door wielding a knife about to kill her uh, until the light is switched on the room you find that it's a very abusive drunk dad holding a bottle which I would argue is if anything um, even more traumatising why is he in your room uh, why is he trying to attack you with a bottle uh, and then in a weird kind of turn of events she just leaves her mum with this raging alcoholic and drives off to go back to work at the end of the investigation Um I kind of like this ending, the, the way that it's edited together from the dream of the killer to her dad is really well done at the flip of the switch and it would be so easy just to like finish the film right there but we get like an extra minute of her actually leaving town which I think works really well as well. So yeah, I really liked the ending to this one, I thought it ended strong um, and it's, it's consistently entertaining all the way through. It does what you want in a slasher movie and I think that's when reviewing these ones over reviewing the Italian classics, where we're jumping genres in the Italian classics, the slasher ones will all be slashers. I think ultimately what I'm going to have to come back to is, is it entertaining? Um, does it follow 
the kind of archetype blueprint of slasher for, for better or worse um, and how does it end I think these are the important things um, well obviously where we can touch on how iconic the killer is in the movie but I think these are the aspects that judge a good slasher movie uh, and I think I have to be fair when doing that. I can't put like levels of cinematography that I would against a Jallo, for example. That's part of what makes up uh, a Jallo or Italian cinema in general is this grandiose idea of cinematography, which you don't get uh, in the kind of lo-fi approach of slasher movies. So I've got to be fair to both genres when critiquing them. So that's going to probably be my template for how I approach these movies moving forward. So that's kind of going to indicate where my reviews sit. In terms of Graduation Day though, it gets a 4 out of 5. If you're, once again, not familiar with Podcast Under The Stairs rating systems, it's all based on that those old school Netflix feels of enjoyment rather of pure critical analysis. Uh, there are other podcasts out there that do that. I am not that guy. I kind of go on the feels. I'm all about them feels. One is hated it. Two is didn't like it. Three is liked it. Four is really liked it. Five is loved it. And I really liked this movie. Um, it's one that I genuinely think I will revisit. And like I say, I can't wait to double it up. Double bill with this in pieces. That is a fun fucking night for all. So there we go. I'm going to take my final break of this show when I come back. I'm closing it out and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been the first instalment of our 88 Film Slasher Classic series of reviews. Um, I imagine somewhere down the line we're probably going to throw in that Asian collection as well. I can already feel it in my wars. I can feel that that will be somewhere down the line uh, an additional collection added into the mix. But yeah, we looked at the very first disc in the Slasher Classic series and that was the pretty awesome Graduation Day. Really, really enjoyed that movie. So what's coming up over the next two Sundays? So like I said, every Sunday we will alternate between uh, Italian Collection movie and a Slasher Classics movie. So next week we return back to them Italian Collection movies with disc 24, one that I've been counting down since I purchased it. It is beyond the darkness. Um, it says, God bless the late and dearly missed Joe D'Amato. Not only did the censor-baiting Svengali of Sleaze give us such video nasty masterpieces as Absurd from 1981 and Anthropopicus from 1980, as well as the sexploitation classics 11 Days, 11 Nights from 87, he also released one of Euro Horror's grisliest gore fests in 1979, frequently censored Beyond the Darkness. Focusing on that psycho-styled story of a young loner under the authority of his besotted but bloodthirsty matriarch who enjoys bouts of human taxidermy, bodily mutilation and cannibalism, uh, this crimson-ridden splatter caper might just be D'Amato's crowning achievement. Starring the legendary Cinzia Morelli from the beyond, as well as the beautiful blonde who's lured into the killer's premises, um, Beyond the Darkness also features a sublime score from prog rocker's Goblin and a sick but nonetheless satisfyingly sense of humour. Also known as Buried Alive, this D'Amato classic is finally making its UK HD premiere uncut and uncensored. Um, 
On the disc, it's probably worth noting that it's 2K restoration. We've got the usual English audio and Italian audio with English subtitles, but we have a 68-minute feature-length documentary called Omega Rising, Remembering Joe D'Amato. Uh, it takes a look at the legendary career of the notorious filmmaker um, and features interviews with uh, Mikel Suave, George Eastman, Rossella Dridley and Carlo Maria Cordillo. Um, so yeah, we're going to have that to look forward to. And in the following week, so two weeks today, we will be jumping into disc number two of the Slasher Classic series, looking at Mother's Day. Looking forward to this one as well. This is one I have seen before, and I kind of fucking love it. It's another trauma movie. The blurb says, One of the most notorious and controversial horror shockers of all time finally comes to the UK Blu-ray uncut and uncensored. Mother's Day introduces us to three twenty-something women on a camping trip to hell. Our helpless heroines are stalked and snatched by a pair of psychosexual brothers and their insane parent. But estrogen proves tough to overcome and Mother's Day ultimately provides us with a chair-gripping, sanguine-stained battle of the sexes. Prepare to be disorientated by uh, and, dis and disturbed by one of the true greats of 80s independent terror. Considered to be a classic of the backwoods slasher genre, Mother's Day debuted in 1980 to censorship problems and critical confusion, but gained a fan following that includes such Hollywood heavyweights as Eli Roth and Brent Ratner. Uh, indeed, Ratner would eventually produce a lavishly budgeted 2010 remake starring Rebecca De Mornay, although, as in most cases, it is the original which is more potent and powerful. 35 years after its premiere, Mother's Day has lost none of its lacerating satire and this influential splatter outing remains recommended to even the most seasoned of scary movie fans. So yeah, we're going to get a chance to talk about that one. Special features, once again, this is uh, region unlocked, so you can get it wherever you are in the world. It uh, features an audio commentary by Charles Kaufman and Rex Piano. Uh, Charles Kaufman intro, Rex Piano intro, behind the scenes Super 8 footage. Eli Roth talks about Mother's Day. Charles Kaufman and Denon Bowsman talk about Mother's Day. Uh, has trailers, TV spots, etc, yeah, etc. Et the usual stuff that you would see. I also think there ain't no subtitles on this one either. Kind of makes me a bit sad. So that's your next two Sundays coming up. Gear yourself up, get yourself ready. Pick one series or another or both depending on how you feel and let's do this let's make 2019 our bitch and watch a ton of movies which you may not have seen before that might slip through the gaps fill out your knowledge or you might just not have seen in ages um, and remind yourself why you had or had not seen it in ages so we'll do that anyway there's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs come across subscribe to our feed on apple podcasts leave us a rating and a review over there it's the best way to support what we do on the show you can check out the show's Stitcher smart radio soundcloud google play and the tune in app also while you're at it come across and visit our website it's tputzcast.com you can buy merch which supports this show posters and enamel pins from tputzcast.bigcartel.com we have two pages on Facebook. We have the group page, which is very noisy and kind of awesome. It's where the community chats about things they're looking forward to, what they're uh, wanting to do on the show, stuff we've covered on the show. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. If all you want to know is when the shows are dropping and maybe check out a live stream or two while you're at it, you can do that on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. And you can interact with me in the twin prongs of social media sexiness Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at Teapot's Cast. 
There we go, first one down. Feels good to get that one under our belts, ladies and gents. So all that is left for me to say is wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. Son of a bitch.
Toilet.